All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of Two PTs One Podcast. I'm gonna leave out title names for now just to be safe. Um, <laughs> we are back with another episode, and this topic this week that was a waffle is going to be based around hypertrophy, so building muscle essentially for those that aren't masters in terminology. I think Mark, one of our aims is to make fitness understandable for the masses. So I think explain it in a way that's not going to make you sound foolish or think you feel foolish, but put it in more practical applications for everyone to use. I think I'm right in saying Yeah. Technically, what we're trying to say is normally we can't speak anything past three syllables. So we try <laughs> yeah. to simplify it, not only for the customers, but for, for, for also ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... T- this week we're going to basically just talk around the principle of a hypertrophy triangle. And if you have not heard of the hypertrophy triangle, what we can do is we can actually put the tri- hypertrophy triangle in the thumbnail, just so you understand yeah. a little bit more of it. But essentially, in the most basic form, it is intensity, frequency and volume. So I think today we're going to be discussing each principle why it's important and also why you should only be implementing so many of these principles in terms of your training to optimize your training i think that's going to be quite an important thing so miles has actually discussed this to me quite a long time ago this was before i even qualified so i'd say about probably 10 months so i've I've done a lot more research on this since that discussion so it'll be interesting to hear Mm, but i think Yeah, I think we need to go into each bit first. Yes. So when we're talking about these variables, we're talking about how they were looking within, let's say, a training week, a training period, a program. Um, These kind of periods um, that you're going to kind of look upon is kind of be the degenerate makeup of how you compose that kind of program. So, for example, let's start off with volume. Volume is the amount of work that you particularly do. So, for example, the easiest way of saying that is, let's say a high volume will be something like 15 reps. Low volume would be by five or six. Um, that's obviously going to be dependent on there. But also as well, it could be like high volume work is going to be very much what most people probably will interpret hypertrophy with or endurance type base of training. Um, this is kind of a bit where you kind of chase for the pay, uh, pace, try to chase for the pump, trying to get that lactic acid um, for most people that is the pump into the system um, and therefore made the wo- make your workouts feel like you're actually doing something. Then the other ones we have is intensity, so technically how hard you work, um, this could be variable for a number of things. It could obviously be by like the tempo of your exercise, the weight that you use, um, the type of exercise that you do as well. And then you've got frequency. So how many times do you do this? So for example, like a high frequency um, workout split could be something like you do legs multiple times in the week, let's say three. And then a low intense, um, frequency one could be one leg session in eight days bro split so bro, bro split in a way I, I hope i hope the bro split is is pretty much died now i hope so 
Yeah. I I, I just feel like anyone within a Bruce play like in terms of I think when you're beginning to understand different exercises and how your body responds, a Bruce split is important, but to maximise results and understand that your body needs to go through so much stress to grow, yeah. it's just not optimal. Um, yeah, and also as well, like by the time you've by the time you've reached that kind of seventh day period where you go back in the gym and you work the same amount of muscle groups over and over again. Your, the muscles have healed and they've healed a long mm. time ago. Generally, after a workout, if you do it in that somewhat optimal range of sets and reps, ideally probably like 10 to 20 sets of a muscle group, that's when um, about 48 hours, you're pretty enough good to go. So something like a higher frequency workout plan or workout split could potentially be in a more optimal thing of hypertrophy. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. So I I just feel like you wouldn't work in the fact of like if you revised something for an exam, you wouldn't just do a whole day on one thing and then leave it for a week. That's not how you become a master in a certain aspect. You'd break it down and you'd look at if different aspects of the exam and then come back to it more frequently. You're not going to burn it. <laughs> And I think it's important to realise that your muscle is only going to take so much stress before it's just going to say, right, okay, I've reached that optimal optimal range. I'm not going to grow anymore, no matter how much more stress you put on me today. And yeah, a chest workout, for an example, I think obviously International Chest Day is a Monday. You could do three exercises out of eight and already be at a point where you do not need to do any more. Mm, yeah, so as humans, we follow this kind of law of diminishing returns where the more we do something, the less outcome we have. So a good example of this is like, Mike, you said, by the time you've done your third set of something or third, third exercise or something, your ability to produce the same amount of output has lessened and therefore the reward has lessened. So already what i could already suggest is probably saying split up if you're let's say you can do a, a max effort um on a particular lift let's go with the same example mike did like bench press but you split that up into three days you're able to put same amount of output same amount of effort but on three consistent days when you have more rest in between now obviously that would be classed as a, a higher frequency type of split and it's not the it's not the bee's knees. It's not everything you're not everything that's going to be. It's not like if you add six or seven days of that kind of exercise, is that kind of as good overtraining? Could potentially be depending on how hard you work it. But that's what you need a consideration of the free. And I've always I've always said to Mike that when you are working in hypertrophy or particularly anything when you're looking at designing a program, you want to periodize two hours of the three because that's going to be somewhat more optimal than trying to work on all three at once. Yeah, because obviously this will draw back to the recovery podcast in the fact of like, if you drew all three in, you're physically one going to get bored of training because you've been in the gym that much. Your recovery is going to be shot 
and shit. I was going to not say shit, but it's going to be shit. It doesn't matter where your nutrition is, where your sleep is. Your body f- needs the recovery to even grow. Like you, the time after the gym is where your body's going to grow with the correct application of nutrition and sleep. It's not just. And this analogy to miles yesterday in the fact of. If you have a pencil and you work down a pencil, you need time to resharpen it. Or if you don't sharpen it, you're going to be working with a blunt pencil. Yes, exactly. We are using art analogy here because, as people don't know, I did a fine art degree. So we we mentioned that on this podcast. Um, Yeah, Mike is 100% right in that kind of analogy. Like, you do need time to let the muscle grow. You need to make sure you're, obviously, you're feeding with a a right amount of protein. You need to let the body, not only just from a muscular point of view as well, from a, a neuro, neuromuscular type of view, so the central nervous system. I mean, when you absolutely batter a muscle that much, it's it's not just only taxing on that muscle, it's taxing on the whole body as well. If you Let's say like, let's say a very heavy compound going like squat, probably one of the most taxing um, exercises out there. It's like taxing because it uses... Um, multiple muscles in multiple joints but also as well like when we when we use a muscle it's a very on or off type of thing we don't just use half of it now the greater the stress the more motor units the more stronger a signal is towards the brain which is the central nervous system down the sinus nervous system down into the muscle and that what helps us perform a movement you put, let's say you're going for a one rep max. You put a greater load onto that and you're putting a lot more stress than, well, that sometimes the body can handle, especially if you hit to failure. And a lot of people don't realize what failure does to the body. But obviously, for hyper, um, hypertrophy, failure is, in my opinion, a good thing. To maximize um, intensity through that motion. I think just to draw back on that, in the fact of like muscular failure, I think can be a, quite dependent on the actual exercise itself. So obviously, if you're going into doing a barbell back squat, and you say you've reached muscular fatigue, is it the quads that have fatigued, or is it your lower back that started to twinge, and you're like, oh? I feel bad, I can't do any more. Or can you work into a better selection of exercises that will take less stress off other parts that could be failing first and not actually allowing you to reach the muscular failure point? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And obviously there's going to be, let's say, for example, you're doing a, a push workout and you're doing chest and triceps. Now, obviously... A press up, a bench press is going to incorporate tricep work as well as yeah. overcoming the bench and shoulders. But would you, let's say, if you're programming that or you're writing that to a program, would you count them as working sets for the triceps? Potentially, no. You kind of would do its own kind of thing and stuff like that. But you've got to take that into consideration as well, especially if you're not looking to be out of the gym for a good while and you want to be that type of person who wants to be in there a couple of times a week 
but then you want to make sure that you're making progress. So, in a way, when you when you get to stuff like this, because it's such an open topic and it's been in debate for years in in this kind of industry, where you'll find that some things contradict themselves, but it's all down to how you prioritize it and how you prioritize certain stuff. So, for example, yeah. if you're trying to, let's say, you're trying to maximize leg growth then you might want to put a little bit more volume in leg growth but then that means that volume has got to be taken from somewhere else so you don't tax so let's say for example you're using a high frequency a high volume thing uh, so that means the intensity's got to drop you might take the volume out of let's say upper session as well just to make sure that you're hitting them optimal numbers and it is, it is a complicated thing, and it's not a black and white thing. You can't just go, yeah. you can calculate that for one person and calculate that for another person. You've got to play it. Like, for myself, I've been training myself for coming up to seven or eight years. I've been training since I was like 17. And even still now, I haven't got a max number. You, you play it by ear. And there's a lot of other things I play into a doubt as well. There's your sleep. There's your mental stress lifestyle nutrition which obviously we'll get into that all in the um, later because as well as training nutrition and all of them have a massive part to play when it comes to hypertrophy as we mentioned before um but yeah i i think this debate i think the debate of hypertrophy and what's optimal is can be some category but it is so open at the same time and yeah. i think over the years to come as more research gets pumped into it you'll find things trend. Like, for example, the bodybuilding split was very, very big in like the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. Obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger was massively into it. Was it 1670s or... I might be going back in time a little bit too much here. Yeah, um, let's, let's stay on topic, eh? Yeah, but then history was never a strong point of mine. But then, let's say, once we start getting into the, the noughties and start things like push and pull started becoming a thing, then things like fasted training started becoming a thing and stuff like that. And there's there's a load of new fit trends and oh, things that get into it. Some of them are more scientifically right than others. I will say that. But, yeah, you don't want to do it. I can't say, yeah, you can't do it. You, you're not going to get that much with doing a fasted workout. That's, that's my opinion. That. But it will constantly change over the years to come. Well, it's just like everything's going to expand with research, but obviously I think quite a lot in social media, especially in the last week, I've seen them where it's like, um, like Dorian did this or Ronnie did this. And it's like running off like the fact that other people have done this. So this works for them. So it should work for me. But obviously as time progresses and science progresses and research progresses, you need to understand that that won't work for everyone. And, Imagine if they used and utilized the programs of today back then for their genetics and their like abilities and their just sheer obsession with getting better. Like they could have been even bigger. So obviously I think the focus of people just being so focused on the past is a major issue. And like I and myself have been in that realm of saying like, oh, eight to 10 reps. And hypertrophy, I think, is a lot more complex than that. 
in the fact that you need to learn what your body works well with and how you can maximize the 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 most from your body itself and me doing a chest day on a monday and not hitting my chest again it's not optimal anymore it used to be when i was like 17 and i was like yeah let's get the big pump going and like i fatigued my chest already but i just feel like i can go even further you need to understand that the body will only take so much and after that point it's basically just going to be junk volume and it's basically going to put you in a, into a deeper hole of recovery and, reti- and actually retaining to a point where you can actually train again. Yeah, that's so, a linear curve. Yeah. So I work in the principle of upper lower basically for the fact that I, I understand that fatigue will not just be for the muscle, it'll be for the body as well. So obviously it's, there's going to be a drop off in performance regardless of what, what you train as your session goes on but understanding what your body works well with and you can maximize by picking certain exercises that aren't gonna diminish the rest of your session so like going from a superset in from a chest exercise to a back exercise i can work a lot better than that and i can be in the gym a lot less time than i need to be and just to draw back from earlier something that i was going to say and i forgot is the fact that people that say straps are cheating really pulls my nut in in the fact that I am not working to muscular fatigue with my grip strength. I'm working to failure on, say, if I'm doing an RDL, my hamstrings. And I do not want my grip strength to go to affect the session or affect the set. Just my two cents in that. But yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another rant on this podcast. Yeah. No, but that, that, one's a, that one's a big thing for me because, like, I've heard it before and people saying, oh, yeah, straps are cheating. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not here to, like, work on my grip strength when I'm doing an RDL or else I'd be doing grip strength exercises. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bypass on all of that yeah. because it looks like Mike has a moment with his stripes. Um, but on the, on the flip side of what Mike was saying before and stuff like that, I mean, when you are a beginner, when you are solely brand new and stuff like that, anything you do will promote muscle growth. Your body is very new to stimulus, therefore your body will adapt very to a new thing. But saying that, <laughs> over time, um, your body becomes very acceptable to it. Things that you've done before isn't going to be the exact same. Same kind of thing with that law of diminishing returns grab that same about four and over time things will have to change your volume will have to increase the intensity increase you become stronger the emotional adapts and stuff like that and through that it might be a case of you might have to do more to get from where you are and stuff like that because as you progress in years of training your capability of muscle growth completely changes as well it decreases dramatically i think it's something like your first to three years of training is the biggest part where you can actually start putting as much muscle as you can and then three to five it's like these are just estimate numbers here but they kind of roughly end of good level of muscle growth and then five years plus it's very minor that's why you'll get people who have trained for so long and they just don't seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger and the only people like to say they like to shock the muscle 
Oh. <laughs> Hate that phrase. Hate it. I just put it in a very subtle way, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, there is a, there is there is a somewhat understanding of this. Where to the point of if you're hitting a muscle group in a completely new demand, whether that's volume, intensity, blah yada yada, that's where the muscle's going to develop. Now, shocking the muscle itself, you can't really shock the muscle. Do you, you jump around a corner it, and surprise it? it. <laughs> I know, it's like, surprise, motherfucker. Um, surprise, motherfucker. It's not going to, it's, it's yeah, it's like Mike just said, it's like that. It's not going to get <laughs> shocked. I'm trying to be at the bush. It just, it just doesn't work and yeah. stuff like that. Like, if you worked, if you looked truly into what creates muscle, obviously, metabolic stress, mechanical tension, these are all the aspects that you physically need to do and having an exercise and... I mean, I could say all day to you that if you grow your muscle, if you grow your muscle, it grows. If you grew your muscle through doing bicep curls, every man in the dog's going to do it. However, if I said to you that you worked into it in a better manner or looked into it differently, would you go and research it? Only select people will. Because if it works for them in a certain way where it's easier for them and they don't have to do as much work, they'll go for it. But if you work into it in, I'm going to bit off with this, but probably a more biomechanical beneficial standpoint in terms of like freedom, you're going to allow yourself not to just help promote more muscle, but actually help keep yourself training for longer. Mm. So that's like, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying and stuff like that, but like let's, let's not lie. Let's yeah. not lie. If your goal is to get bigger biceps, I think um, somewhat of a optimal range of what you just mentioned might might be sub minor. But yeah, there, there is that kind of element to it and stuff like that. If you're trying to include your physique, better understanding of how to develop your health as well is going to be always a big improvement to anything. You're trying um, to build muscle, but in the same respect, you're going to want to carry on lifting for as long as you want, or you want, you can. And yep. neglecting that and going for the free tri- the free prong triangle approach, your body's going to require more deloads. It's going to affect its performance in the long run anyway. And you're, you're stunting the actual growth you're allowing your body to have. Very true. Um, I've completely lost thought of what I'm going to say. There we go. Mike will handle it again. But, yeah. One thing I also want to mention as well that there's also, with the training side as well, there's also one big component that most people get themselves into, and it's the fact of testosterone. Testosterone is obviously a hormone out. We are produced... And that is what gives us that kind of, allows us to grow. Now, there's been a big kind of thing about if you have more testosterone, you'll have more muscle development. And if you have more muscle development, you have high testosterone. Um, there's a mixed conversation on that, so I won't mm. go much into that. Um, but this is the kind of thing where steroids obviously come into play. And that human adaptation to point 
doesn't happen when you have steroids. Now, me and me and Mag are very natural. Obviously, I'm I'm an athlete, so I can't be doing stuff like that. Nor have you seen my arms; they're like twigs. They can't be on steroids. But <laughs> I just want to mention about Mag's physique. But that's that's the thing. It's like you'll see a, a very a lot of these kind of people who are somewhat on the big side, and I mean muscular side, and you're wondering how they can get to that level. Now, I'm not saying every guy with an impressive technique, uh, technique physique, is taking steroids. That's definitely not the case. But you definitely need to watch out for that kind of stuff as well. No, that's a little bit off topic. Where are you there. going with this? I'm I like... have no idea. No idea. I'm just, just saying, be careful. Be careful, people. Oh, people stabbing you in the gym to get yourself bigger. What? Yeah, I know that. I've got off a bit of a tangent there. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, yeah I'm, I, I wanted to make that clear that. before we go on anything else. But let's go a bit more on the nutrition side of things as well. So, obviously, pro- big protein diet obviously have a massive kind of um, of coming to others thing about muscle development. Obviously, as we know. Protein is made of amino acids. You get your animal sources. You get your all nine amino essential amino acids, which therefore can create the twenty amino acids. I'm, I'm throwing numbers here, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. Um, nine, nine essential, eleven non-essential, twenty in total. Yeah, there you go. I knew I was right. But there you go. You've just made me lose my fall again. But yeah, the, um, having a higher protein diet is obviously going to contribute to allowing muscle development because therefore, obviously, as we're breaking muscle down, that muscle needs repairing and having a good source of fuel is going to help you develop that kind of muscle as well. Also, in the fact of like, the recovery aspect of it is once you've put all this metabolic stress through your muscle and helped it grow, you're going to have to have... A high protein diet to help sustain the training and the fact that amino acids are obviously going to help in the recovery of the muscle and this is going to help you get back into the gym and training that muscle group again obviously certain muscle groups are going to take longer to recover than others obviously depending on the amount of work you've done that's the biggest thing obviously not in terms of volume but general work and like high intensity etc etc but you need to understand that, like, obviously your legs are going to take a little bit longer purely for the fact that a lot more work and load can go through your legs than upper body work. And I think a lot of people neglect that. Although you think that you can train, you're probably a bit off. And a major thing to think also is that DOMS is not an indicator of metabolic stress. It can be down to a lot of different things. So this can be down. I think a lot of people will get DOMS when they first get back into the gym purely for the fact that they're essentially working through new exercises again and your body's adapting to get back into it. Mm. So don't think, oh, I've grown more muscle now in this first session back than I did in like two months. Your body just needs to adapt, just like anything else. Exactly. Yeah, but also as well, going back and more onto the nutrition side. So a somewhat kind of optimal amount for protein is about what I've mentioned before is about 2.2 grams times your weight in kilograms for the lean mass that you have. 
obviously for a larger person would probably a little bit more body fat 2.2 times their weight in kilograms if they don't know how to do their lean body mass could lead up to something like 200 odd grams so they always kind of give a range whereas like 1.6 to 2.2 so if you're someone who is a little bit on that larger side and you don't want to go into the nitty-gritty of that i probably would just say start with 1.6 and then see yourself from that um you going to say something there, Mike? No, I was just agreeing with you. But obviously, I think the requirements of men is slightly higher for women. Than women, sorry. So obviously, yeah. Like... Because mostly for men, we'll have more... We'll have generally more muscle mass than women. Now, saying that, um, if you get like a, a woman who has same height, same structure as a man, you can somewhat say... They have the same kind of muscle mass, but obviously because of testosterone that's higher in men, there's a more capability of growing more muscle there. But that's obviously for... I think, yeah, sorry. I think this is like a massive indicator for the fact that if someone's putting all their macronutrients online and all their training online, don't follow it. Like, each person's individual in terms of nutrition, training, etc. And it's not a one size fits all approach especially with like hypertrophy because obviously there's different ways you want to do it and different ways it actually works for you in the first place and like if i i I think high intensity work is designed for certain types of people like yeah having an an intense approach where you feel like you've hit muscular failure may be different to someone else that can do the same weight and hit like an extra two reps because they are just a lot more in the zone with it. Mm, and that's that's going to depend on everything. That's going to change on structures, on levers, anything like that. So, for example, as a small individual like myself, I'm not going to be able to do the same amount of work than a larger human being would do just because they might have more muscle mass than me. Genetically, they might be more advanced. Or a simple case of they could just handle load more because they've technically got more power and it's a bit more efficient to them. Simple case of that. Uh, but that's going a little bit into the nitty, like a big nitty gritty of things. And I think the kind of audience here won't need that general opinion. Yeah. So we'll go so, on to the other macros. So the, yeah. so carbohydrates. So carbohydrates is obviously uh, what we use for fuel. We've mentioned that a couple of times on this podcast. It's obviously carbohydrates down that's broken down into glycogen, which then is stored in our um, other muscle, uh, in other areas that we then lose related fuel. So, like I think it's our muscles and stuff like that. Um, and when we throw so a good, so a lot of things that people tend to obviously do when they go into a workout immediately, they go into this. I've got to make sure I get my ultimate nutritional protein in this post window that's whether that's half an hour 45 minutes and stuff like that and you've probably heard of it before and you've probably agreed with my that if you miss this window that's it no gains can be made and stuff like that um now there is a somewhat truth to that and there's a somewhat distruth to that so the i'll go with the belief of it so the actual belief is actual because of the 
the high obviously is rate of obviously breaking down the muscle tissues and the high inflammatory rate as well. Nutrition can then be important to the muscles a lot quicker. So that's why, for Mate, example, you slow down have... talking way too quick. I'm barely being So, yeah. So, yeah. When you obviously, when you have a, your workout, obviously muscle tissue is broken down, inflammatory is up, lactic acid into the system. This allows you to get more nutrition into the muscle at a quicker rate. This generally happens. Yeah, along, well, it's, alongside blood flow yeah. as well. Because obviously, as the heart rate increases during a session, blood flow and nutrient distribution around the body is going to increase as well. There you go. So that's why, for example, a post-meal might consist of a high glycemic meal, whether that's something like a fruit or something like that, with a general amount of protein with it. And then, the disbelief of that is that that actually period is somewhat very much extended. There's a kind of optimal range, but that doesn't mean that if you miss this, this anabolic window that most people talk about, you're going to get no gains. No, that period can extend to three hours to 24 hours. There's obviously studies that say like, as long as you get it in a 24-hour basics or the nutrition that you need, the general calories and stuff like that, you'll be fine. I think I'm just more in the team of like obviously keeping your MP, uh, uh, MPS, muscle protein synthesis, spiked up as often as you can. So obviously it's going to spike up sl- slightly with the resistance training itself. But obviously the nutrition and the protein required to, to actually get your body into this state. So obviously your body's going to flux between muscle protein synthesis and muscle protein breakdown. So it's important to keep your body topped up with protein throughout the day and not just around the window of training to keep yourself in that state where muscle's not going to degrade, deg- yeah, and break down. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so um, this is also another myth, Mythbuster, where people will say that the max that people can absorb a protein is about 30 grams, and the rest that you have is a waste. That is a complete, utter nonsense. Like I said, you could have a protein source of your optimal amount, whatever you, how much you want to have. It doesn't just vanish away and stuff like that. But yeah, Mike is right. When you, If you spread your protein sources around the day, generally every three or four hours, as they kind of say, and all that, that's kind of where you that kind of protein synthesis is going to come a little bit of a more of an advantage. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, th- are so fixated on eating around training and obviously it's going to be at a certain point where you're obviously going to refuel your body but you don't need to force yourself to eat within a window especially when sometimes you just don't want to eat anyway it's like for me eating around training it's probably i treat it like swimming i don't eat an hour before <laughs> like i'll have like my pre about 30 to 20 to 30 minutes before because obviously as it's a liquid base most of the time i can handle it a lot more but it's keeping that glycogen store because obviously if you're having an intense session muscle glycogen stores are going to deplete really quick that's why a lot of people you'll see will have like a carb source during the session and then especially post-session to get the storage back up to its normal level so obviously you've got the muscle belly and the liver are two of the main ones that will store the glycogen but obviously if you're going for an endurance that's a different topic, so I'll ignore that. That's like running. But 
it's important to realize that hypertrophy is not a one thing fits all approach and especially with the triangle like you can fit the triangle free into two any two you want that's the biggest thing for me it's like the myths that eight to 12 reps is the best thing and it's like if you're going for a high intensity how am i going to get to eight reps and it's like all there's high load versus low load discussions going on and obviously we can all say our own opinions on this but obviously it's whatever suits you and what you feel is the best for you which is i think a lot of people are so fixated on what they read and what dorian did like i said earlier that they can't find their own approach. And mm. like training to muscular failure, yes, it'll have its points. But you need to understand that if you're training to this failure and you can't, and you can't train again for four days, who wins? No one wins. Yeah. Mike is very much, throughout this podcast, is very much to make sure you guys know that eight to 12 reps isn't always the multiple thing. He's yeah. mentioned that multiple times in this podcast you can, today. You can build reps. You can build muscle within three to five reps. Yeah. Like, and the stigma of this just, as you can tell, quite annoys me. And it's just, there's no black and white. Just think of it in terms of what you enjoy to train. Obviously, you're going to get to a certain point where the same thing is not going to work all the time. And I think, judging by how long this is going on, I feel like periodization should be a podcast on its own we are getting on a fair bit but obviously you need to get if you want to get strong you get strong with an eight to twelve reps one rep three to five reps this will make you the most overall best but if i went to say doing three to five reps all the time and then like right okay i'm gonna do an eight to twelve your body's not gonna get used to it and you're gonna get gassed really quick obviously muscular fatigue is gonna set on a lot earlier as that's what it's used to because he's got used to the stress of being in that rep range. And you can't shock the muscle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike is 100% right. I know we're going a lot back to the training side, even though we're cutting through training nutrition quite a bit. But the training side is a very a somewhat confusing um, area to go into and stuff like that. Mike is very 100% right. We're in the fact of you can't, you can't. You can build muscle in a lower rep range with a high set. You can also build muscle in a high repetition with a low weight. There's obviously a mix of studies, somewhat obviously saying that 8 to 12 reps are the optimal things and some saying they're not. But what we're trying to obviously say here is that, yeah, very much there isn't a kind of like that black and white period and stuff like that and just because you want to build a certain muscle doesn't mean that you shouldn't shy away from certain things as well. I think as well on this kind of podcast as well, we try to make sure that health is a number one priority. And yeah. I'm thinking being a stronger human being and working on things like strength, ability, making sure that your your flexibility is good, making sure that you're, when you go up a flight of stairs, you're not getting tired and stuff like that. If you work on things like that, like a performance base, in my opinion, most physique-based goals, as long as we're proper nutrition and rest and stuff like that, will be achieved. Yeah. Because obviously, if you're not training for a show, 
you're going to be training for the enjoyment of it and for application into real life. And you're not going to be going through the position of having to do one rep maxes every day in life. Obviously, it feels good in the gym to be doing one rep maxes, but if I said to you, okay, I want you to deal with this load, I want you to get used to want you to get used to it in three to five reps but then also over time as we get stronger i want you to deal with it in eight to ten that's going to be a better transferable aspect into your normal life and i think a lot of people neglect that they're just so focused on like chasing the numbers and obviously getting strong getting more muscle but getting stronger will come with it as well and just training in low volume i think is so limiting on what your body can achieve because I want to get stronger. There's two, no, yeah. two ways about both, it. Both of us have... We've, we've both gone through that phase there. Like for myself, I, I've gone through that kind of bodybuilding period where physique was the only thing that matters now. And now I'm going for more of a performance base. And I do, I do, I do hope that a lot of people tend to follow more of the training. I think most people are. I think the fact that, like, even, like, let's say, CrossFitters now who are mm. trying to balance that, that strength and conditioning aspects of things is becoming a little bit more mainstream now, which is, is brilliant and stuff like that. I mean, maybe doing 30 or 40 reps of something a given weight is somewhat excessive, but it's, you look at most people that are doing CrossFit, as long as they're doing it with proper form and stuff like that. I've seen their pull-ups. It's not proper form. <laughs> I know, exactly. That's why I'm saying But you look at some of the great, like the good athletes of them, and they're quite all round. They generally are fit. They're generally strong. And they've got good physiques. And I think that most people who come to this podcast, deep down, all they want is to look happy within themselves. Yeah. And yeah, you might you can allow it can allow a few extra things like I do, like the things like I do I, I do an arm day, I do an arm and shoulders day, because I like to do a little bit more volume on that. But Majority based of my program is to move something quicker, to move it more, move myself well. All them kind of aspects are at the front, and how my physique develops is a second. And I, I probably say now that I've, I've probably got a well more developed physique than I did when I was even doing a bodybuilding split because I can move more. And I'm not lacking in certain areas and stuff like that. I'm not constantly focusing on things like just my chest or my back and stuff like that. Yeah, because obviously I think one major thing we haven't actually mentioned is the fact that obviously if you're doing into a bro split, like the body's going to respond in different ways to different volumes. So obviously if you went through chest, obviously chest is going to be a certain upper body movement and say if you had that on a Monday and did shoulders on a Wednesday, that's obviously going to play across. Whereas if I went and did a chest and shoulder session together, obviously I'm not going to the field of the physical muscular fatigue straight away, so I can actually put a bit more work into that there. But then I can also go and say, okay, in two days' time, on the Thursday... Let's go do chest and shoulder, chest and shoulders again, because I've not had to deal with the extra volume that's going to fuck me up, and I'm now going back into doing exercises that I solely want to do, which for the majority of time of my programming now 
will be a compound movement. Yeah, so I, I did. I did mention that before a little bit, but Max has explained it a little bit more, and that I feel like that's the reason why a push pull now is becoming a very, very popular split because mm. it, it does allow that kind of thing. So for people who don't know what a push pull is, push will be things like your push movement, so chest, shoulders, triceps. <laughs> Pulling things are going to be obviously like your back your biceps, stuff like that. And then you'll add potentially a, a lower leg day. Yeah, that's what oh, I used oh, to do. Even still, even still, you can even incorporate in your legs into your push-pull. So, for example, a pull will be something like a deadlift. Push will be something like a squat. Like, you can make these push-pulls full-body workouts, which, over the years, I have become a massive fan of and stuff like that. And I've increased my, my frequency of doing... For uh, full body days, because yeah, I might not be doing three or four working, uh, not working sets like exercise is on a certain muscle group, but I'm hitting it more and more within the week. And in my in my friends, I I think it's working massively for me because I'm not getting too fatigued. I'm able to somewhat keep going for the rest of the week, and I'm still able to play the sport without any kind of hindrance or interference. I think a major thing we actually haven't said, sorry, I've about saying that one before, but is the fact that hypertrophy itself and doing splits where you allow yourself more rest days is more applicable to life itself. Like, if you did a bro split, you're probably going to be in the gym six, seven days a week. But Miles and saying a full body split then, obviously, if you're doing a full body split and you're hitting exercises that are going to fatigue, you're going to need a bit more rest. So this means that, like, if you are in a busy lifestyle, maybe doing three to four full body splits a day, a week, sorry, is going to be more beneficial for you. Yeah. Or, and that's like, obviously when you, that's when you obviously more improvise more of a, a frequency and a volume, or it's not yeah. volume, sorry, a volume and an intensity kind of split and frequency comes down. Because if you are the type of person who can only do one or two working day, uh, days in the gym. Yeah, it might not be some optimal for muscle growth, but that doesn't mean that it's all bees and You still developed a good physique. We're just trying to make you guys realize there are more optimal ways if you can allow it. If it doesn't fit into schedule and stuff like that, and what we're trying to say at the moment doesn't work in your lifestyle, let's say you're a, a busy parent or you've got a busy work life, um, then that's not going to be optimal for you. And this is why I was trying to say before about it's not a black and white approach. It's not something where you can just say dial down to a few numbers and stuff like that. It is different from every single person because everyone has a different situation. I was going to say, and then obviously if you're queuing into doing that full body aspect, obviously you're going to have to utilize time in the gym as much as you possibly can. So I feel like programming is going to be a major factor. And if you are running into a poor program and if you find yourself in the gym three times a week and you're, and you're doing a lot of arm work, you're not obviously going to utilize the best results you're going to put, put in for your body. So I feel like I'm not trying to like self-promote here, but coming to someone like me or Miles or Georgia, etc., 
is going to be beneficial in the fact that you can maximize your time because you don't have to sit there and fret about what you need to put in as a program but we also can be selective in terms of what we're going to give to you and provide to you to get the, the best results for the time you can get in and we're not going to mess for the 99% of the time we're not going to mess around with fluffy stuff yeah <laughs> fluffy stuff with the being operative word but it's i think exercise selection is really severely neglected in terms of hypertrophy as well because obviously if you can't if you can't optimize your time and be in the gym as often you're gonna need compound movements yeah i'll hear you (laughs) say that again mate unfortunately you cut out with that one it's like oh well what's a compound (laughs) so a compound is i've mentioned it before actually so compound is an exercise that uses multiple muscle groups in different joints. So squat, deadlift, bench press, shoulder press, yeah. anything like that where they're going well, to use multiple. And then you've got an isolation isolation workout, uh, which will be something like a bicep curl, stuff like that. But generally, if you think of it this way, every exercise you do, should be potentially a compound movement. No, not no compound movement, my bad. A full body work. Because technically, if you think about even to a bicep curl, you can create a full amount of tension with that. Then things are going to start obviously working. You're going to get isometric contractions in your abdominals, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be, if you work hard enough and stuff like that, you're going to obviously affect them other stuff. For a muscle growth, potentially, that's going to work in more lengthening and shortening the muscle and stuff like that. But there's still development even in isometric work. So I just put that in there. No, no, that's fair. Because it's obviously like if you're at home and you can multitask, you're going to. So why wouldn't you do the same in the gym? Yeah, that's true. But also as well, Mike, I think let's put a little bit more practicality in it. So obviously now, most people who are listening to this time that we're recording this at the moment we're in that kind of pandemic we might not have the equipment to do a, a proper barbell squat or a full on deadlift so if you're someone who is chasing hypertrophy in my opinion you're still in a really good place you can still chase that volume you can yeah. still chase that fatigueness which is excellent if you're ch- if you're chasing stre- strength and stuff like that as well this is obviously not going to be the time because you, unless you've got the equipment to do it. But if you're trying to chase that kind of muscle growth, this is a really good time to pretty much off do it right now. Yeah, you just tweak the triangle. Yeah, exactly. So volume, volume and frequency will just go up. Mm. Um, already, we've gave a few examples of how you can tweak it. But again, this is where you need to do your homework this is obviously where you need to find what's most optimal with you and we'll we'll always say everything has that kind of drainable thing where you do need to just do your own work and research it or you can get yourself a coach and get them to do it themselves yeah because a coach will have already done the research yeah exactly but that's if you're a type of person who likes to do things themselves very much look into the research Find what you think is optimal for you and go and do it. So before, obviously, um, I shut this podcast down, there are a few more things that I do want to mention 
obviously we mentioned about recovery. Sleep has a massive depression as well. We've obviously hypermetabolic as well. Um, so you need to make sure that you get in your seven or plus hours of sleep in that kind of range, because the majority of our growing comes within our sleep, and that's what I would say is the optimal range for that. Is there anything you want to add on to anything I've just said? No, I think because obviously the main I think takeaway is it's an open book and. Obviously, if it was so black and white, there wouldn't be coaches. Yeah. So I think understanding that like a coach isn't just here to be like, okay, this is how many reps we want you to do. Like we spend time researching like exercise selection, like and utilizing it to you. And like not everyone's going to be able to train to a certain amount of extent. That's okay. Not everyone wants to train to that extent. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you tweak the triangle that will be seen on the thumbnail and like even I'll try and get it on the screen at certain points just to interrupt but it's just don't follow social media and be like oh well this person's left in this weight for this many reps so it must be good no I'll, I'll end it there because else I'll go on even more again <laughs> yeah but yeah um from everything guys obviously i hope you guys enjoy the podcast it's a very big discussion obviously this topic bit of rank we've not been able to cover everything in this topic either because we could be here for a, a good solid couple of hours with it and stuff like that, as we say for a lot of topics um, but we tried to dial down for a train for mostly the training aspect how optimal you can make it to make um hypertrophy a key thing for it i'll try to say that again Um, obviously try to make sure that we're narrowing down the things as well to make sure that you guys can be optimal in the gym but as always guys if you guys liked this uh, episode of the podcast and you're watching on our YouTube channel make sure you like and subscribe the page if you're listening to our audio thing on Spotify or Apple Music make sure you give it a 5 star rating if it has one of them Um, and like and share with your friends get the word around Um, but as always guys keep safe and we'll see you all in the next episode peace peace